Workers Program, which means when we resell your old car, we will share the profit with you. Let me make sure I've got this correct. You'll pay me $200 free for just doing something that I have to do anyway when my lease is up. And if you end up buying my old car back from Infinity, I'll have an opportunity to share in the profit of my old car when you sell it. Yep, it's that simple. That's a fantastic program, Mark. It's like getting paid twice. Go to infinityoftacoma.com for complete details. That's infinityoftacoma.com. Whoa, no payments till summer at Jet City Harley on any new Harley this week only. Hey, thanks for the help there, Crunch. Jet City Harley has the largest Harley inventory in Washington with over 300 bikes in stock. Jet City Harley has secured no payments until summer. Find their specialists on site to help get you approved. Annual percentage rates such as 1.99% and no payments until summer on any new Harley. Jet City Harley now through Sunday. No payments for 120 days with approved credit, dude. Countdown to opening day. Two days. Brought to you by Red Dragon Poker. A Washington Gold Casino. The home of the Mariners. 710 ESPN KIRO AM Seattle. KIRO FM HD2 Tacoma. This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Second hour of Seattle Sports at Night underway here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Thank you so much for stopping by. Spending this gorgeous evening here in Seattle with you, or with us. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Rost here. We talked about it a little bit before the break, but Russell Wilson, he was on the couch on The Tonight Show. That, that's got to be a, a nice couch to sit on, I would imagine. That can't Probably. be uncomfortable. And yeah. maybe, what if it's a hide-a-bed? It's a futon? Yeah. Unroll it. Oh, just, man. But, like, Jimmy Fallon lays on the couch part, and, and then Wilson lays on the bed, and they just have, like, a slumber party yeah. conversation. They, they, like, prop their head up with one yeah. arm. Yeah. Think of how candid you would get, just oh, being like, it's man. just me and you. That would be a sight to see for sure. Uh, but Russell Wilson, he stopped by, and as Jimmy Fallon, you know, as he's known for his hard-hitting interviews, <laughs> just no holds bar. Speak your truth on Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's softball after softball. That's he, just, well, he broaches it. Kind of. Right? He, he kind of like he kind yeah. of brought up the New York thing. He'll he kind of brings up the contract. He does. But then he backs off. He's like, uh, yeah, right, yeah, just as hey. Jimmy Fallon does. But uh, he was asked, uh, he asked Russell Wilson about a couple of pressing issues that Seahawks fans have had in the last couple of weeks about. Wilson's status with the Seahawks, his contract negotiations. Well, here is what Russell Wilson had to say about his upcoming contract negotiations. Be the highest paid quarterback in the history of the league. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a great potential to that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, how does that does that make you feel good? Does that mean that? Cool? Well, you know, uh, it's not. It's like I make me feel bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, to think about you know Russell Wilson growing up and I don't yeah, know. well, I think you know. Being a kid, African American kid, five foot eleven, coming from Richmond, Virginia, I uh, went to a private school. Everybody said I wouldn't make it playing Division One A, and then uh, and then getting to where I am now, and uh, just finishing year seven, and uh, you know going into year eight, and I, I believe I have 10, 10 to fifteen more years left. You know, it's it's a blessing. Now, what he said there, I don't have any issue with what he said, except for when he tried to say that growing up in a private school was a slight on him. 
That's kind of a leg up in most instances. Is that what he said? Or was he saying I went to a private school and felt ostracized because people didn't think I would make it? I don't know. That's how I interpreted it. I interpreted it differently. Maybe as a rough private school upbringing. You know, the the mean streets. I think this is the Kent in you that's getting real mad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like the streets of Kent. Like that. Streets of Kent. Yeah. Like if you grow up on those, then get back to me. All right. But no. Yeah, uh, where there's a golf driving range and there a drive through Starbucks. Riverbend golf course. Yeah. Yeah. In Tough. Exactly. Tough upbringing. Absolutely. But uh, Russ also talked about the rumors that he wants to play in New York City and be the quarterback for the Giants of all teams. There's a rumor that maybe you could be maybe signing with the New York Giants. I'm just saying, I just heard a rumor about I'm this. not sure if it's. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are in New York, but I, I'm not sure if the Seahawks are going to let me get away. Yeah, no. I, I love Seattle, and Seattle's a special place. So, uh, yeah, you know, been on to one Super Bowl there. Go to go to two Super Bowls, multiple playoff games, and everything else. And I know, uh, you but know. you know, you're still young. You got, you know, you should go. Are you bribing me to New York? No, no, I'm just saying, dude. Travel, travel's good for <laughs> travel's good for the brain, dude. We would. I think it'd be fun to have you here. You know, if you sign, I, I did win a Super Bowl here. Yeah, so oh, New, York, well. New York, New York, New Jersey's been good. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. I thought I actually thought he answered it well and handled those questions well. I think if anybody was asked the question, "Do you want to move to New York for your job?" That would certainly like get your attention and be like, oh, "I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say no to it." You know, it'd be like it, it would be a question you'd be like, "Uh, you know, I'm 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 happy with where I'm at. If it yeah. presents itself, it presents itself, but it hasn't, so I'm just going to continue doing what I do, and that's it. Well, I think that's kind of what he's saying. I think his answer says that the ball is in the Seahawks' court, that if you make – the Seahawks not wanting to let me go tells me, if you make me an offer I can't refuse, I'll stay. And to me, that offer would be that highest-paid quarterback salary of like a $35 million a year. That's the number we're throwing around, which makes sense, right? It's it's yeah. more than Aaron Rodgers. It's um, You'd have uh, – I don't know, was it 70-plus million guaranteed with Rodgers? Yeah, it was a ton of money. Yeah, so I mean, to me, it's if you give me the contract that I want, I'm not going anywhere. Not that that's a bad thing. This no. isn't a dig. I'm saying that it's it's saying there's no spite there, and there's no leaving, and I'm tired of it. It's 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 a market, and if you pay me and give me an offer I want, right? Yeah, and as we heard around the Super Bowl when Adam Schefter came out with those reports that the Seahawks and Russell Wilson hadn't even sat down to talk contract, and then yeah. you know there was a couple weeks later where you know they had started throwing numbers around. Joel Corey, salary cap expert, he joined John Clayton earlier today and said the sooner you do Russell Wilson's deal, the better you're going to be set up. So this is going to be a deal which resets the landscape temporarily. Because you're going to see a deal, maybe not in 2020, maybe in 21. If Patrick Mahomes is remotely close to what he was this past season, he could be the first, I don't know, $40 million per year guy. So whatever you get, the sooner you do Russell, the better it's going to be from a cap cap planning standpoint. And also it'll be cheaper. Because the longer you wait, there'll be other deals which come into play. You get a healthy Carson Wentz, who the Eagles do, it's going to be way up there. Uh, I can't see the Rams doing Jared Goff for something, any rate, anything remotely close to Jimmy Garoppolo. So those deals will affect the marketplace as well. Last time the Seahawks and Russell Wilson entered into negotiations, they got a deal struck at the very last minute of the deadline that they had set for each mm-hmm. other. 
Do you think that that happens again this season, or is it something where Russell hits free agency, or do they get it done well in advance of that deadline? I've been thinking about it because I've been entertaining the idea of what if the Seahawks just let Wilson walk and figure that they can draft someone else and they can get someone in for cheaper. But I think it's just so hard to find a franchise quarterback and and whatever that relationship is like, it's you don't know if it's going to be years and years. Look at teams that have been waiting. Look at teams like Denver that had success in their in their year with Peyton Manning, but otherwise have struggled to find consistent starters or Jacksonville. I mean, there are teams that have gone, you know, 10, 15 or more years without having a a franchise quarterback. And you just, you don't want to get there because that's what costs GM's jobs and head coaches jobs. So to me, I think it's just kind of the nature of the beast. It's, it's something that in my mind, I'm 90% right now that it's just something the Seahawks are going to just have to do and, yeah. and are going to do it this offseason. When you brought up the point about how long it takes certain franchises to find a franchise quarterback, it took the Seahawks how, what from 77 to 2012 to find a quarterback as good as Russell Wilson. Like This is a guy who has never came around to the Seahawks organization before in terms of talent level. The only other guys you could maybe throw in that conversation in terms of Seahawks quarterbacks all the time are like Matt Hasselbeck, maybe Dave Craig, but that's just two out of the dozens of quarterbacks that mm-hmm. have played in, in the Seahawks franchise history. John Schneider and Pete Carroll aren't dumb. Like they're not I, I don't think they're gonna let Russell Wilson walk for no compensation at all. Or the max compensation they could get for him is what, a third round pick if he if he walks. But like this is a guy who you have waited for your entire franchise's existence and you're going to let him go because of like a handful of millions of dollars when this is a guy who has helped brought in millions and millions of dollars in revenue yeah. and you're you know you're not going to reward him for that i think if russell wilson doesn't return to the seahawks if this is something that he doesn't want i think it's only going to be because russell wilson doesn't want to be here i think the seahawks absolutely want him Russell Wilson, if he doesn't come back to the Seahawks, it's going to be entirely on him. No, I agree. And I think Pete Carroll is uniquely suited to finding a way to work with uh, young players who are cheaper and to kind of build them up in that system, especially with defensive backs. So if you're talking about a team that's going to work around the quarterback, um, I think Seattle is a top candidate for that. And this is something else Joel Corey talked about that we'll get into later um, about how you make it work when you have – an elite quarterback you're paying top dollar to, and an elite pass rusher. And he just said, you've got to be careful with scouting. And again, we'll get into that later, but I think that Seattle is a place where that could happen. Yeah, and also uh, with the quarterback market last year, Kirk Cousins, his deal with Minnesota reset everything because it was fully guaranteed over three seasons. If Russell Wilson wants to do something like that, you know, I think the Seahawks are going to be in a position to say, like, we don't want that. Like, we don't want to be on the hook for that amount of guaranteed money, uh, especially when we've got so many other holes around the roster. Joel Corey said as much earlier today with the professor. If you're going to franchise me, and if you go non-exclusive, you're already at, like, almost 30.4 because of you uh, 
redoing his contract with the restructure and pushing up his 2019 cap number a couple of years ago. So it's going to go 120% off of that. But typically you give an exclusive tax. That's going to be right around $31 million. He, he's no, he's, his agent is no dummy. He's going to go, well, $31 million times 120%. That's basically $37 million. I can make $68 million, and then third franchise tag is over 50. So he's already got $68 million in the bank. Um, in nineteen, in twenty and twenty-one, so you're going to have to make a highest-paid player in the league, probably the first thirty-five million dollar per year guy, to avoid him uh, going the year to year out and then being like Kirk Cousins. So Corey spells it out when Kirk Cousins was franchise tagged twice by Washington, where he ended up making what was it over thirty million dollars his second season under that franchise tag. The Seahawks. Already know how contentious the negotiations are going to be with Frank Clark. Or, well, I don't know if they know it yet, but I think they're ramping up for something where there's a possibility feelings could get hurt, especially if it gets down to that July deadline. I don't think they're going to want to go through that with Russell Wilson. I mean, I wouldn't. You think they aren't going to go past July? I wouldn't be surprised if this went through August like it did last year. Well, I don't. Or I not don't last think, year. I don't last think contract. they tag Russell Wilson. Oh, no, no, no. I think they get an extension done before then, just as Corey kind of spelled out there, saying, like, if you do the whole franchise tag route yeah. where you tag him year one and then year two. You're got, you've got $68 million you've spent, yeah, essentially. And that's entirely against your cap, yep. whereas if you come to an extension, you can spread that out more, yeah. and it allows you more space to go out and get guys. Yeah, no, I agree. I think... Again, I think if you're looking at the three players uh, that are kind of next in line with Bobby Wagner, Frank Clark is in line right now, and then Russell Wilson, if you're talking about one of them to extend right now that's going to save you the money long term, it's got to be Russell Wilson, just with the way that quarterback salaries are increasing. Yeah, and we're going to get into more of that coming up next. If you re-sign Russell Wilson, can you afford to keep both Bobby Wagner and Frank Clark we take more away from Joel Corey's conversation with John Clayton. That's next. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airline Studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up at 830, Ichiro is on the Mariners opening day roster. He will start in right field. That is according to Mariners manager Scott Service, which, by the way, you can hear the Mariners whole, or you can hear the Mariners Tokyo opener on Wednesday at two thirty a.m. I'll be here. <laughs> we'll have some fun together. Just I'm not laughing at you. Okay, you're just laughing at the situation. You're no, laughing. No, I'm at, laughing. Yeah, at you. you are. You are. Yeah. So two thirty. Join me. We'll have some fun. Uh, if you're. If you get there's up in not the, going to be any traffic. No, there's definitely not going to be any traffic. Parking's going to be super easy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if you wake up in the middle of the night, as you normally do, to either grab a glass of water or, like, that extra slice of cheesecake that's in the fridge, pull up a chair, turn the radio on for a Tune little in. bit. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be together. That's how it's going to go Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, so make sure you're checking those out as well. We'll also replay them at night as well. Uh, so you won't miss out on. You Mariners don't have baseball. to be up at two thirty, no, Curtis. No, you don't. So you'll catch that 
uh, at a much more, I guess, reasonable hour. Oh, and also text us your questions. Exactly. Text us your questions because at 845, it's time for Ask Us Anything. Uh, anything. Literally anything you can ask us. No guarantee we're going to answer it, but... But you can text it anytime. I'm collecting them all show. Exactly. So get those in coming up at 845. But uh, Joel Corey, he joined the Professor John Clayton today, had a whole lot to say. He's a guy with a just a wealth of knowledge on the NFL and, and just how contracts work. He's somebody you really want to check out because he says a lot of interesting stuff every time he, he's on the air and... and the Seahawks are in a position where they're going to have to d- dish out some really big contracts. Russell Wilson, Frank Clark, Bobby Wagner, to be most specific. Mm-hmm. Wilson will make the top dollar of all these guys. It will likely be Frank Clark making the second most just because of how important pass rush is in the NFL. And then Bobby Wagner, just simply how the market is, will probably make the third most. But they're Although all- his is going up, exactly. especially with deals for Quan Alexander. And C.J. Mosley. Which Joel Corey said has impacted Bobby Wagner's market. Best inside linebacker in the game is Bobby Wagner. So he's got a case to say that he can be the uh, highest paid inside backer. Because if you want to franchise him next year, um, you got two tags, franchise or transition, no matter which one you use. The 120% provision will kick in. And it's going to be almost $17 right there. So, uh, yeah. Uh, those two deals dramatically changed his market. So Wagner goes up. Frank Clark is going up. Russell Wilson's definitely going up. But also working in the Seahawks' favor is the cap number. That's going to go up as well, as it's gone up pretty significantly over the last, what, six or seven seasons. I mean, it goes up every year. It does, but in the last about six or seven years – it's gone up, I think, what, about 60% over what it was. It was around like 130, $120 million. Yeah, yeah. Now it's about, it's close to $200 million. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to help out in years down the road. Also, the CBA, which comes up in 20, what, 2020. This was the most interesting part. It's It's one I think is least likely, but most interesting, which is the idea that you could specifically, uniquely to the year 2020, if no new agreement is reached between the Players Association and the league, use both the franchise tag and a transition tag on two separate players. Yeah, and the situation in which the Seahawks could find themselves is having to do that with Clark and Wagner or Wilson because of how just how their, how their contracts are lined up where they're going to be all coming up after this season mm-hmm. if they don't uh, if they don't get it settled out. But Corey talked about the Seahawks having to get at least one of Wilson, Clark, and Wagner done this season. Well, you have to get one of three guys done before next year. Either Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, or Frank Clark. In the last year, the CBA 2020, you have two designations available: one franchise, one transition. So you can you can restrict two of those guys. So you need one done. So, I mean, just playing some interesting cat and mouse games with yeah. all the tags and all the salary Which would be incredibly expensive over the short term. So you'd, you'd keep them through 2020, but it would cost you if you don't get a long-term deal and you, and you use a tag on two players. Now, if the Seahawks feel like they can't get a deal done with at least one of those guys, could they potentially 
trade them because we've seen a lot of big names leave Seattle over the last yeah. couple of years. Michael Bennett, the only one that's been traded away, and they got just, what, a fifth-round pick for him and also, what, Marcus Johnson, mm-hmm. who then was flipped. I think for, he went to the Colts. Yeah, for Darrell Daniels, yeah. who barely played for the Seahawks this season. But that's something that the Seahawks haven't been able to do under Pete Carroll and John Schneider is flip guys who are nearing the end of their contracts for draft capital or for future pieces which if you flip one of these three, you're going to get a lot in return. Yeah, but I mean, you get that in return because they're your three top players. So what you're giving up is, again, you talk about that short window. If you trade them for top picks, you're taking the Oakland route, right? Which is, okay, yeah. we've got a ton of top picks now, but how much time is it going to take us to to train those guys and see if that even pans out? So I think... I see what you're saying, and I think if you're talking about none of these players are disposable, and I hate using that word, but I can't think of of another example, but basically a player that you can afford to lose if you have to choose, uh, I think Joel Corey Hintz would be at defensive end because the draft is so deep this year. Yeah, and he said uh, nearly as much if there was ever a year to anticipate one of these guys leaving, it would be Frank Clark, and it's because, like you said, the defensive end class – is just so dang deep. Yeah, it can be done because an edge rusher is the uh, second most valuable position in football behind quarterback. But if there's ever a year to hedge your bets in anticipation of Frank Clark not being around long term and you're just renting him for the time being, it's this year. Deep, deep, deep draft for defensive linemen. And you could potentially get a guy in the second round that's a first-round talent because you have so much depth at the defensive line, particularly the edge rush, I haven't seen in quite some time. Now, when he says something like that, and as we talked about earlier and kind of how I made it known that I am all for the Seahawks getting as many draft picks as possible, I'm okay with the Seahawks making a move like that in order to get maybe an extra first-round pick. You you go into this draft with two first-rounders or maybe a second-rounder on top of that first-rounder, mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, there is potential for the Seahawks to make some serious waves in the 2019 draft. If the Seahawks, I have a question that I feel like I should know the answer to. But if Frank Clark does has not signed his franchise tag, can the Seahawks still accept a trade for him for the first round picks? Right, because that's the non exclusive franchise tag is two first round picks. Uh yeah, he's got. I believe they've got a first and a third tender okay. on him so if he doesn't sign it can they still work that trade out uh i i'm not quite sure i think it's possible Did d ford he signed his extension with san francisco and kansas city was able to move him mm. so i think if frank clark does get traded i think he would be I, it's going to be a t- to a team that wants to give him an extension yeah so i think he would definitely sign the franchise tender in order to get that contract that he so desperately wants and a contract that I'll be honest, he is, he has earned like he has been the best defensive player on the, or the best player on the Seahawks defensive line pretty much over the last two seasons. Oh, for sure. And he's at an age where he is entering his prime. He is a guy that is deserving of that contract. 
I just don't know if it's the best thing for the Seahawks for them to be paying him that much when Russell Wilson's contract is also coming up and quarterback is on the importance level there's none more important well that's what I, I agree to me it's not a debate of whether or not you pay Frank Clark that much it's whether or not the Seahawks can afford to do that and keep Russell Wilson and extend Bobby Wagner if they have to do that too with that price tag going up um, so yeah I mean I'm sure that Frank Clark can command just as much uh, were he to stay with Seattle just this year on a franchise tag and then enter free agency again I don't think anyone would be debating whether or not that was earned when we return here on Seattle Sports Night, the Mariners, they're over in Tokyo. We're just, what, a day and a half away from their Getting opening close. day. Ichiro Suzuki, he is going to be on the opening day roster. Is that the right move for the Mariners in this era of their team? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Thank you so much for stopping by, Jake Heaps. He'll be back tomorrow night with Stacey Rost as I'll be catching some Z's in anticipation for the Mariners series in Tokyo. By the way, if you're unable to, I guess... If you were unable to make it out to Peoria this year for spring training, or if you're unable to catch the games live on Wednesday and Thursday, fear not, because the Mariners are going to be playing two exhibition games on, what is it, Monday and Tuesday of next week. Also, Mariners Fan Fest going on Saturday and Sunday out at T-Mobile Field, uh, or T-Mobile Park. It's T-Mobile Park. We should put a collection jar for, for how often we get it wrong. Exactly. And, I mean, we'll be buying pizza and donuts for I'm never life. donating to that jar because I am you, right every time. Exactly. Stacy doesn't get anything wrong. Literally, I've never been wrong in my life. They call her Stone Cold Lock Stacy right now. As of right now, that is <laughs> that what they call is, that her. That is what they call her. It yeah. is known. It is known. Yeah, because you guys were coming up with nicknames last week, right? We were trying. Well, trying. no, Jake doesn't need a nickname. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the quarterback, quarterback yeah. and then now he's the quarterback guru or the guru. That's the thing is nicknames blossom out of organic things, which is what's been happening for yeah. Jake. For me, the only nickname I ever had in my entire life, I hated, it was when I was in Sunday school and kids called me Stacer Eraser and Stacer I wanted to cry. Eraser. I hated it. I don't Oof. even get it. I don't understand it at all. It's an awful nickname that makes no sense and it's longer than my actual name. Yeah, that's not a nickname. It's Who, awful. Yeah. That Man. was the 90s. I don't yeah. know. Shout out, shout out to Sunday school, just doing it, you know. They, I mean, coming up with those kinds of nicknames. Could have done a little bit better there. I don't want to say it was because I was the like main angel in the play, but I think there was some jealousy there. Ooh, I thought it was due from like you being the one to erase the chalkboard or the whiteboard every every time. No, and, like that just kind of birthed from I, there. I literally do not know where it came from. Wow. Yeah, that's blindsided. It is what it is. I blindsided by a nickname. Uh, but the Mariners in Tokyo right now. They had just wrapped up two exhibition games against the Omiuri Giants, and they won both of them. Ichiro Suzuki played in both of them. In fact, he's been playing a lot in spring training this year. Unfortunately, he's only 2-for-25 at the dish. He's 45 years old. So what exactly is he doing in the Mariners' opening day lineup? Well, we talk that right here in tonight's Big If True. This can't be happening! 
Ding! Big. You can't be serious, man. If did, did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is gonna change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious. In tonight's big if true comes to us from Mariners manager Scott Service, who I guess it was earlier tomorrow in which he mentioned that Ichiro Suzuki... Because in Japan, it's in the future. Yeah, they're 16 hours ahead of us. Okay. Uh, But he mentioned that Ichiro Suzuki will, in fact, be the Mariners' starting right fielder on opening day. Stacy, I got to say something. I am not okay with this. I don't care. Wow. I really don't. And I don't know if it's just, you know, I've, I could use some caffeine today. I'm a little sleepy. I'm trying to keep myself up. And, and my, my passion for this argument has just died down. But I, I don't know if I'm the only person here that thinks that. Because they were debating it this morning on Brock and Sulk. And I just have no, I don't care. This does nothing for me. It doesn't make me mad at all. I think I get more upset by the awful things people say about Meghan Markle than I do about Ichiro wow. starting on opening day. I don't care. I care because it goes against everything that Jerry DePoto and Scott Service have preached to us this offseason about how they're trying to establish competition within the camp and, and trying to not give anybody th- their job just as it's assumed because of how much they're getting paid or what they've accomplished in baseball. And they did a move like that in naming who the opening day pitcher was going right. to be with Marco Gonzalez over Felix Hernandez because, let's face it, Felix Hernandez isn't even close to the pitcher that he once was. That should be held the same when it comes to putting Ichiro out there. Have him pinch hit. Well, Have him pinch run. Have him play a couple of innings in the outfield on defense. If you're really trying to preach accountability, if you're really trying to preach this sort of a youth movement, you don't put a 45-year-old guy out there who's two for his last 25. See, it'd be one thing if it was the pitching rotation and you have a Marco Gonzalez there that that you should be giving some time to and you go with a Felix instead. But this is someone where, like, who do you put in right field if you don't put him there? See, that's a really good point because Malik, Malik Smith is out. Right. Which would, he would, he's your everyday center fielder when he's healthy. Mitch Hanniger's your everyday right fielder when he's healthy. And then you've got Domingo Santana out in left field. So what, I mean, what are you going to do there if you don't do that? And I mean, it's in Tokyo. And I know that you don't want to do something just for the, uh, I don't know, like excitement of it for the crowd or whatever. But like, does it, I mean, it's, two games there, and you don't have anyone else to put there. The only other scenario in which I could see the Mariners putting somebody out there is Jay Bruce, who they got from That's uh, fair. Yeah, from the Mets in the Robinson Cano trade, who he's a veteran guy himself. I was going to say, not like a young yeah, player. Not a, young, not, a, not a spring chicken, I believe. is uh, That's not a thing, is it? Yeah. No, what, spring chicken? Yeah. That's a, what do you mean that's not a thing? That's a thing. It is? Okay. But, you're, you're too young to know. Yeah, exactly. I'm 14 years old. You don't know old. any idioms. Yeah, exactly. I was born in 2005. I saw someone say from the 206, is it weird that we were nine when Ichiro entered the MLB? And my first thought was, who is this we you speak of? Yeah, well, as someone who was also born in 1991, <laughs> oh, or, I, was, I was 10 when he entered uh, Major League Baseball. So, yeah, it I'm is I'm sorry, weird. 206. I mean, I, I wasn't that much older, but... I had to do the math, and then I felt old. <laughs> but to me, I, it just it does not sit well with me that Ichiro is going to be playing these two games. And 
Then you hear Ichiro say that he has no plans of retiring, which then puts the Mariners in an even more awkward position. Oh, because, where they have to then make a move. Yeah, what do they do? Do they release this franchise icon? Do they say, okay, that's cool, see you later, we don't need I think it's clear you. that when you have a healthy Malik Smith come back or a Mitch Hanniger, then you're fine with doing that. And I think he knows that. I See, that's the thing. You don't thing. think he does? I don't think he does. I think he has that same syndrome that every athlete who played way longer than they should have has, where they have no idea how to retire because they don't know what their life is like without having to play this game of baseball. Ichiro has been preparing every single day since he was probably like A kid. five years old. Yeah. He's now 45 years old. And he doesn't know what it's like to not prepare for a baseball game in which you know he's about to play. So then why would you not just give him this start in Japan? Because they made the move last year. Said, you're the assistant to the chairman. We're done. Like, that's it. The Mariners have had this issue of how do we treat these franchise icons in their last few years. And they're having it. They're having the issue with Ichiro. They're certainly having it with Felix because they continue to run him out there every fifth day, and now they're having to pay him $28 million. They had it with Ken Griffey Jr. when he came back in 2010 after playing in 2009 and having an okay year for someone who Although you can't put that on service and Dakota, to be fair. But you can put it on the the Mariners organization at the time. Like This is something that has happened... Not this isn't unique to Ichiro. This isn't unique to the situation. This is just something that the Mariners have had an issue with. And how do they say goodbye to these icons? I think there's no better way to say goodbye to Ichiro than him playing in Japan for these two days if he comes in as like a pinch hitter or if he comes in as a defensive replacement or if he comes in as a pinch runner. I don't need him out there taking up four, five at-bats a game if we know he's not going to get a hit. I'm trying to listen to you, but the 206 just texted back and <laughs> called me an older woman <laughs> and meant it as a compliment. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm really like, I'm trying to look oh, at you and engage no. in this conversation. And oh. then out of the corner of my eye, I saw that and oh. I was like, no. And then I turned into dust and floated away. Yeah, just <laughs> gone. Oh, and, no. And now I'm here alone. I'm in my 20s, sir. <laughs> yeah, she's she's not... No. Calm down. Yeah, it's let's. We're all thank still you. in our twenties. I see. Here. I I see the attempted a compliment. It's very nice. Yeah. But shout out to the two hundred six. Shout out to the two hundred six. <laughs> shout out. Shout out. Um. No, I think, I think that the argument and the frustration you're feeling would be completely fair, if this was a home opener against Boston and there were more healthy players. And I know that I'm cycling back to this original argument, but I think that. You, I don't know that it is the right... I think it's still too early to say that uh, Scott Service and Jerry Depoto aren't sticking with that plan to give younger players a chance when there literally are no players to give a chance in that position. Okay, but we just point... Or I just pointed out that there it's, is a It's guy. fair to point out, yeah, but not a younger player. No, but it's someone who's better than Ichiro and gives you a better okay, chance of okay, winning. Okay, that's fair. But... Maybe the goal of this season isn't to win. Maybe yeah. it's just to show up every day, and if a win does happen, you you consider that a, a lucky happening. Like, it's not something that you go out there and expect, and that's unfortunate because so many of these guys are wired to 
go out there and give their that's best. That's what I'm saying. Them. You don't want to show that you don't care about it. And I think that's kind of what putting Ichiro out there shows. You don't is, think that they have maybe some faith that he can at least hold down the spot for a game or two? And he didn't show it last year in the month and in, a, in the month and a half he was on the Mariners roster. I don't think he's going to show it in two games when he hasn't shown it the entirety of spring training. Like this is not a, a this is not a slump that he's going in that's right. recent. This is something right. that this is just who he is now. No, for sure. I don't disagree with it. I just think I would I would understand the level of frustration if it was 2 weeks from now. But I think I think I just really I I sound this is awful sports radio well, to say I is, just don't care about this. This is one of those arguments that I mean We will forever see it differently. Yeah, and then if in fact 2 days from now he, the series is over and the games are played and Ichiro does ride off into the sunset, all of this conversation that not just us here on Seattle Sports Tonight have had, but on Brock and Salk, on John Clayton, on Bob Grouse and Tom, and on Danny yeah, David Moore, yeah. it will have been rendered moot because he'll be done in baseball, and that's it. Like We won't have to worry about him showing up on the Mariners' home opening day roster against Boston. Like We won't have to worry about that. That's kind of my biggest worry on top of this, is Ichiro saying, you know what, I'm not done playing, and I don't want to, I'm going to be on this roster. And then now you've got Jerry DePoto and Scott Service saying, well, we didn't really account for this. And you don't then, think he'll enter into another, like transition to another role like he did last year? I sure hope he does. But again, Ichiro is one of the most unpredictable people out there. Yeah. Did you ever read that ESPN profile? I did. Where it's beautiful. Yeah, where he's a guy that, you know, that baseball is his life, and he has very, you know, he, he doesn't know what his identity is outside of baseball. Well, and that's the thing. For the top-tier athletes, and when we talk about athletes entering into later stages of their career, if something has been your identity for your entire life, I, don't, I can't think of one thing in my life that I've closely associated with who I am. Just, I've never had something like that. And yeah. I, I'm not mad at that. I like that I've been able to change and grow um, and I think that for athletes to be the best, they can't do that, at least not with, with who they are as an athlete. Not just something that you identify with with yourself, but Other also people. everybody that has ever known you identifies you with that. And that people often don't let you be something else. Exactly. And so Ichiro, entering into that stage of his life where maybe sooner rather than later he's got to figure it out because – it seems to me like the game of baseball has passed him up. Text from 360 saying Ichiro is probably listening and is very mad at you guys. I'm sure he is. Yeah, all the way out in Japan on the 710 Sports app. It's powered by your Puget Sound <laughs> Accurate dealers. He's for sure. Yeah. Yes. Or on iTunes. Exactly. Maybe he's listening tomorrow. Yeah, he can download the podcast uh, on I'm Apple sure he's podcast. given us five stars. Yeah, he's given us a rating. Subscribed. Yeah. A nice exactly. review. That's exactly it. I wouldn't be surprised at all. There we go. Coming up next, it's your turn to join the show by asking us anything. Anything. Any single thing. The Coors Light text line is there for you. 710-710. We wrap it up here. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into Seattle Sports at Night. 
Taking your questions right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Curtis Rogers and Stacy Rost here with you. Stacy, it's time for the people to ask us anything. What are you seeing out there? Uh, from the 425, this one's spicy. Ooh. Have you ever been arrested? No, I have not been arrested. Okay. I, I'll, I've never even been pulled over. I haven't either. Wow. Yeah. Wow, we sound really cool. Yeah. <laughs> We're real risk takers. Yeah. yeah. I always go the speed limit or yeah. maybe two below. And then when I change lanes, I establish position <laughs> in my lane before changing again. <laughs> um, have you ever done anything where you were like, oh, no. Like I told you my breaking into a car story. Uh, I've like, I've. I've TP'd a house before. We, when we did you get, do that? We didn't get, I was in high school. Oh, okay. So no. Why joke, did you do that? Because me and my buddy had a box full of toilet paper, and we're like, what do we do with this? And so we TP'd a friend's house. Um, there was a time, though, when I was in high school. I was probably about 16 or 17, and I was driving around with my buddy, and we were coming back from my friend's house, and we had in the back seat my buddy's video game console and like a bunch of controllers and like uh, stuff like that and it it looked like it was stolen yeah and then we heard sirens behind us and i was going probably like 10 to 15 over the speed limit and i was just like oh no like we're going to get pulled over and then this cop is going to be like is that is that stolen merch back there boys <laughs> but the cop sped on by us and pulled over the car in front of us. So we Yeah, we dodged that bullet. Yeah. Shout out to Michael Strange. Do you ever get nervous just when you like a song has police sirens? Yeah. I hate that. Yeah, that's the worst. Every time I'm like, come on, man. That gets me mad and also like if a movie or TV show has an alarm clock, that gets me mad too, because it's like When I hear that sound of the iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. I I've never uh come close to being pulled over that way i did i parked a car i was driving my friend's car and i parked it next to a very similar looking car so when i went to buy a parking ticket and and come back i went to the wrong car but it was unlocked so i climbed in through the back Uh seat and the alarm was going off and i was embarrassed and then i got in the front seat and i was like that's weird these are suddenly like um uh what's it called cloth seats and then I looked over and I saw her car and thought oops Ooh. then I just left I was too embarrassed to go into the gym yeah, yeah. Uh, this one from the 360 guys it feels like quotable films are dead what was the last quotable film out there that you can remember Ooh. I think Step Brothers yeah that or like The Hangover I don't know that The Hangover I don't know that I loved The Hangover. I think it was like Napoleon Dynamite, where so, too many people saw it before I did. So by the time I saw it, I was like, I have heard every single joke in this movie. The thing about that is I I liked it when I first saw it, but the amount of people I don't like who liked it... Oh, that's like, the worst. That makes me not like it as much. Yeah. And it's like, okay, guys, you've said these lines to you ruined way them too all. much. Yeah. I get it. I think I'm going to say Step Brothers for sure. That's the the movie I probably quote the most, or that I hear quoted the most. Yeah, that's. Uh, if there's another one. Yeah, let's see here. More text coming in on the Coors Light text line. 
Uh, let's see here. I asked Jake this question a couple weeks ago, but what is the optimal time for visiting the grocery store? Um, definitely not. I went the other day, and I didn't realize, but it was when high school got out. Oh. And you know when you get to the... I think I'm of the age now where I hate high school children <laughs> age. And I'm a small person, so, so sometimes they're like... They get next to me in the line, and they kind of bump into me, and I'm like, I want to fight them, but I don't because I'm an adult. To that point, I get nervous around like high school and middle age, middle school age kids. They intimidate me. I think they're going to make afraid, fun of me. Yeah, I'm afraid if I like slip up, they're going to roast Dude, me. seriously. Like, I'm crazy. like, they're going to pit me in their burn book. Yeah. They're going to take videos of me. Yeah. It's, I'm, I, to, to them, I'm 100 years old, uh-huh. and they're waiting for me to fall over so they could take a video. Yeah, and then like one after I fall over, they'll be like, walk much? Loser. Yeah. And really, we're just so much cooler. That's it. Um, but I, I don't think of that in the moment. They're very, they're scary. High schoolers <laughs> are intimidating. I hate them. I would say that that's the worst time. I don't know about the best time. Maybe early. I'm a morning person. Yeah. For sure. Like 7, 8 a.m. going yeah. to the grocery store. Yeah. Even earlier, maybe. Well, I feel like there's way more people there after normal work hours. So it's like, too much. Yeah. Like, because people are on the way home from work. Hey, can you grab milk on your way home? That's my... That's I don't impression know of Kermit the Frog yeah. as a homeowner. Okay, uh, <laughs> calling his wife. Yeah, it's a very niche. Impression. I was going to say, yeah, your impressions are very specific. Yeah, yeah. Like, only Muppets. Yeah, I'm, and only Muppets in scenarios where they are not doing Muppet things. They're yeah, doing human things. Exactly. They're doing very mundane things. That's going to do it for us here on Seattle Sports at Night. Quarterback Jake Eaps, he'll be back tomorrow. Stacy, she'll be in as well. I'll be getting some sleep because I'm tuning up for the Mariners Tokyo Series, but we'll be back tomorrow night, same time from 7 to 9 on 710 ESPN Seattle.